Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, Christmas Day has come and gone, and some of us have already taken down the tree and the decorations, but I want to remind you that it's still the Christmas season. Christmas, in fact, lasts for 12 days, ending with Epiphany, January 6th. You all know that the carol of 12 days of Christmas it begins with a partridge in a pear tree. Well, if you're watching this on December 27th, then we're only at three French hens. We have a ways to go yet till we have 12 drummers drumming and 11 pipers piping. So we're free to party for another nine days. Since this is still Christmas, I would like to revisit a very familiar passage of scripture. So reading from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, beginning at the first verse. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea in Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. No vacancy. How sad. Perhaps you've pictured the scene the same way I have. Mary and Joseph finally arrive in Bethlehem, weary from their long journey and anxious to settle in. Mary is huge with child, expecting at any moment. They pull up to an ancient version of a Motel 6 at desk, hoping to find lodging, only to be told that there's no room in the inn. The Roman census caused a run on all available lodging, and not only is there no vacancy, but there isn't a motel in town that could accommodate them. Feeling just a bit sorry for the couple, the desk clerk suggests that they could hole up in the barn out back if they didn't mind the cold and the crude surroundings. Having no other alternative, Mary and Joseph move into the stable where Mary gives birth. Of course, we blame the innkeeper for not being very attentive to his visitors. Imagine, he refused the savior of the world when he came knocking at his door. That poor innkeeper has been judged ever since. Well, that's the story as it's usually told, but that's not necessarily how it happened. Sometimes when we strip away some of our cherished images of Jesus' birth and get down to the bare facts, we learn some new things that make the story even more enriching. For example, did you know there's a possibility that Jesus was born not in a stable or in a cave, but smack dab in the middle of somebody's house? It's true. Luke never specifically mentions a stable or a cave, in spite of all our images. In fact, there may not have been an inn, at least as we think of it. Let me explain. Listen again to the simple way in which Luke tells the story. Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. That's all he says, no stable, no cave. But now get this, the Greek word translated as in in English is the word kataloma, which means literally guest room. If Mary and Joseph had come to, a, come to Bethlehem for a census, chances are they had relatives living in the village, and of course their relatives would be obliged to provide lodging for them. It was a sacred duty to care for family, even distant family members. 
It's possible that the carpenter from Nazareth and his young wife arrived a few days before the birth of their son and found the katalama, the guest room of their relative's house, already occupied by other kinfolk and guests. Since there was no room in the guest room, the, the inn, they may have lodged in the main room with the homeowner and his family. And so it may be that Jesus was not born in the guest room, but right out in the middle of the main room of the house. To really appreciate Luke's message, we have to understand how Palestinian homes in that day were set up. Peasant's house was a simple one-room affair. A man, his wife, their family, and all of their belongings were concentrated in one main room. There was no such thing as privacy. If the owner of the house had sufficient resources, he would build a small room adjacent to the main room. This was the katalama, the guest room, or inn. It was not uncommon for travelers to be offered a couple's guest room or inn as a place of lodging. In the dead cold of winter, a Palestinian family would often bring into their house some livestock. This provided shelter for the animals, and the heat of the beast's bodies provided warmth for all who resided in the house. Usually the central room had an upper level and a lower level. The family lived on the upper level while the cattle were kept on the lower level, possibly just a foot or two lower than the rest of the house. On the step, next to where the cattle were lodged, there would have been a manger area. The location for the manger was a place scooped out to create a trough where the cattle could be fed. It was in that manger area, right in the middle of the house, that peasant Palestinian women gave birth to their children so that the newborn might have the comfort of the manger straw. Now listen carefully to what Luke is saying to his reader when he tells the story in this way. He's saying that Mary gave birth to Jesus right in the middle of the house because there was no room in the katalama or guest room. But Luke wants us to hear something very special. Jesus, the Son of God, was born not off in the guest room, but right in the middle of the living room, in the midst of smelly hay, snorting animals, anxious onlookers, and in the middle of family activity. Jesus, our Savior, was born just like all of the other children of that day. He was cradled just like other children were cradled. When the Magi arrived from afar, they came, as Matthew says, into the house where they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Do you see what Luke is saying? Our Lord was not to be relegated to the guest room of life. He was born in the middle of it all, in the very midst of ordinary life, at the center where life happens. And that's where Christ would be born in you and me, at the center of our lives and hearts. He wants to be at the, the center of our daily life, of our marriage, of our family life. He wants to shape and inform our financial affairs and our business dealings and our personal relationships, our social and political involvement. He wants to guide us in the business of day-to-day -day living. He wants to be in the middle of it all. And yet so often you and I are wanting to push Jesus off into the guest room, the side room of our life. We can find him to certain seasons like Christmas and Easter, dismissing him or ignoring him at other times. Or we allow him into the living room of our hearts on Sunday at church, but banish him to the back room the rest of the week with the effect that he has no true relevance for our lives as we live them. Trouble is, he doesn't want to be on the periphery of our lives. He would be front and center. He has everything to say about real life and how it ought to be lived. 
He has true wisdom for living. He comes as a light into our darkness to show us the way, and we're foolish to keep him away. If Christ is to be born in the cradle of our hearts this Christmas, then we have to put him in the middle of our lives, making him Lord 365 days a year. I was saying that Jesus was born like other Palestinian children in that day. It wasn't all that unusual that he'd be put in a manger surrounded by animals. Other infants were too. But do you see what that means? Jesus, the Son of God, is one of us. He knows what real life is all about. He's lived it. He wasn't born in a palace, but in a typical home. He came right down into the ordinariness of life to be with us, to give us meaning and hope and direction for our lives. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us means that he's present in the events and lives of ordinary people like you and me, but he won't force his way into our lives. The question is, will we bring him into our joys and sorrows and struggles and relationships? Will we allow him influence over our thought life and our decision-making and bring him into the middle of our family circle and into every other aspect of life? Will he direct our attitudes and our motivations and actions? In short, will you and I make him Lord of our lives? What good is Christmas if his coming doesn't impact our lives, changing them for the better? What good is Christmas if we treat the Lord of life as a mere guest in the crowded house of our hearts? Surely he deserves the best room. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let every heart prepare him room. Put him at the center where he belongs. Merry Christmas.